Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking into localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Tim Muma, and this is Employment Notebook, a podcast where the focus could be directed to just about any workplace issue, including the area of hiring. And that's what we'll examine for this episode, the important task of hiring the best possible fit for a position, as well as the organization. And our guests would say many times, hiring personnel, they often zero in on the wrong aspects of the candidates they're looking at. Joining the show today is Gary Swart, CEO of Odesk, as this was a topic he had written about on LinkedIn, garnered a ton of interest from a bunch of his followers, including nearly 300 comments on this article itself. Clearly an important subject that people are interested in. Gary, thanks for coming on the show today. Tim, thanks for having me. Before we discuss the uh, some of the ideas that you have and this topic itself, we'd like to give our listeners an idea of where our guests are coming from. So if you could fill us in a little bit on your professional experience. Well, I'm currently the CEO of Odesk, and Odesk is the world's largest online uh, work platform. We enable companies to hire, manage, and pay remote talent. Uh, Prior to Odesk, I was uh, co-founder of a company called IntelliBank, which was, I like to refer to that as my character-building experience. (laughs) We were were not successful. And prior to that, I was at Big Blue, IBM, the acquisition of rational software. So uh, a long uh, career in technology. Oh, great. I mean, it's... Cool to hear the different perspectives that you may have on it and, of course, what you're bringing to the table for us today. So let's jump into this idea. Again, hiring the right personnel, everybody knows, extremely important, vital to long-term success. In your mind, though, what are the biggest mistakes that employers make when it comes to hiring? Oh, geez. And how much time do we have, Tim? Because there's so (laughs) many. And, you know, it's funny. I spoke to uh, a good friend of mine. is the chief people officer at Netflix. And she says, flip a coin as to whether or not you get it right. Somebody may be a good fit for the very near term, but you outgrow their capability within six months. And, Hmm. you know, companies just can't afford to invest in the wrong talent. By the time you hire and you you onboard and you ramp these people and for them not to work out or not be a fit, it's just too expensive to the organization. So I think one of the biggest mistakes is uh, that employers focus on the wrong things. Mm -hmm. They focus on skills and knowledge as opposed to personal characteristics and motivation. And that does, it is something that comes up a lot, the idea of focusing on that skills and knowledge. So why is that not enough? Why does it tend to happen in your mind that focusing on that creates an issue in the long term? Well, I think what happens is people get happy years. You know, we run a marketplace business and, you know, marketplace businesses are about supply and demand Mm -hmm. via the web. Right. And we'll look at somebody out of eBay and say, well, oh, gee, they're from eBay. They have great experience in this regard. But that experience only gets you so far, uh, especially if the person doesn't have the right, if they're not the right cultural fit. Sure. And so I think what happens is companies spend time looking for the right skills. And of course, there's table stake skills that you need to have. You're not going to hire an accountant if they're not a CPA, or you're not going to hire a sales rep that doesn't know how to close. Right. But beyond that, um, you really need to dig into the character of a person because those are the things that you can't change right? Um, I had a boss who said, you can't coach height. And, uh, you you know, at the end of the day, if uh, somebody's not smart, or if they don't have high integrity, if they're not hardworking, you can't teach hardworking. Right. Well, you touched on there as far as one of the areas that you think is is extremely important. Uh, Let's jump into that a little bit in terms of what you see as important and some of the details of that. Uh, You mentioned characteristics. What exactly are we looking at when you're talking about personal characteristics? 
Well, I think, you know, it varies by company to company. And, and you know, the value around personal characteristics is defined by you, not me. Mm-hmm. But the ones that are important to Odesk and, and my company are, you know, we really care about, about integrity. And integrity, you know, really, can you trust this person? Are they trustworthy? And can they do what they say they're going to do is really what that, uh, that means to us. And can you count on them for that? Second, we look for intelligent. We look for creative. We do look for hardworking. We look for great communicators, right? People who have uh, good uh, verbal and written communication. You know, think of the adjectives that would describe the person that you want to work with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have a list of uh, eight of those things that we really look for employees that are, are sort of must-haves. Uh, you mentioned with these characteristics that they can be either unchangeable or extremely difficult to change. Why would you say that is with some of these? What makes that so difficult? Is it just a matter of it's ingrained in them? Or how would you, how would you define that? How would you illustrate that? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's back to the point uh, you know, I made earlier that you can't coach height. I can't make you taller. I can't make you smarter. I can't teach you integrity. You have it or you don't. And usually here, you know, past performance is a great indicator as mm-hmm. to whether or not they, they, they have it. It's funny. We made a hire uh, in the last couple of years where on paper we hired a, a brilliant employee, but, you know, we ignored some of the yellow lights coming in. There was, there was prior evidence of some behaviors that, you know, I, quite frankly, was a, a yellow flag on the field that we ignored. And they, uh, <laughs> it ended up being not sustainable at Odesk. Right. You brought up intelligence, and I always feel that's a, a tricky one for people to sort of wrap their head around or get a handle on that. What do you mean when you're talking about intelligence versus maybe knowledge or, or what factors of intelligence are important to you? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, it's a combination of things. You know, it's somebody that, that, you know, that can process, somebody that can, can have an opinion and articulate that opinion well, somebody that you know, brings facts and data to the table. So really, it's, it's just a thought process. We're not really talking about book smarts. I don't need to see your SAT scores sure. or what grades you got in college. We're really just looking for good sort of raw intellect, good strategic uh, thinking. And it's really the thought process. I like to see not only the answer, but how'd you get to the answer? Mm-hmm. In a similar vein, the idea of integrity, I think, can be difficult, at least in my view, to, to judge that. But is there a way to really evaluate that? In somebody's cover letter or their resume or even in that interview, I mean, do you have any tips for, I don't know, sort of seeing that there could be an issue on the integrity side? Yeah, that's a tough one in the cover letter. I think an interview is often necessary to do it. But in the cover letter, I think if you look for I versus we, Mm. you know, a lot of times if somebody's cover letter said we did this and we did that, that's not necessarily a a sign of lack of integrity, but it is an area that you might want to dig into and say, what was your specific role in that result? You're thinking maybe they're taking some credit for something they weren't necessarily doing because they're on the team kind of thing or? Yeah, it could be. It could be that, or it could be that, um, yeah, they didn't really have a role in it. It says, we did, uh, you know, we achieved uh, twice our quota. And you say, great, what specifically did you do? Was that a team situation? And again, it's not necessarily a flag, a red flag, but it is (laughs) something that you might want to probe into. I also look for inconsistencies in data. And Mm. I found this a lot when I was interviewing salespeople. Somebody came in and they said, oh, I was 170% of my quota. And I said, great, what was your quota? 
and they say, oh, let me see, what was my quota? Well, it was about $4 million. It was about $4.1 million. And it's when somebody doesn't know what their quota is, yet okay. they said they were 170% of it. Right. You definitely want to dig in on that. So I look for, you know, you have to kind of look at the data. You have to look at the language. And, you know, I, I really think the key is in an interview. And again, it's not that people are willingly lying or trying to misrepresent themselves, but you do want to try and identify, is this somebody that's going to live by their word? Are mm -hmm. they going to say something and then actually do it? And, uh, and then, you know, in the interview, I think is a great place to uncover that. Well, clearly, you, you know, you have a focus on those characteristics, but there's also another area that you deem being more important than those skills and knowledge. What is that and, and why is that second uh, aspect so important to you? Yeah, so first is personal characteristics. Second is motivation. And what do we mean by motivation? Well, it's really why does this person want to work at your company? Right. What's going to get them out of bed in the morning? What's going to get them excited to, you know, really sign up and get behind putting their best effort into your business. You know, as the CEO of Odesk, the CEO's job, number one, is to not run out of money. And number two <laughs> is really to create an environment where everybody can do their best. Right. And I think right. you stand a better chance of creating that environment if you get the right people on the bus in the first place. And that means, of course, getting the ones with the right characteristics and then making sure that the motivation is aligned. So if somebody is really motivated by... Uh, how much money they can make, well, that may not be the best fit for us if right. that's their primary motivator. If somebody's more motivated by, you know, look, the only reason I work is because I love to travel and I'm going to be traveling two months out of the year, well, that may not be a great fit for us. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to ask somebody, so how do you find out what the motivation is? Right, you ask exactly. them. <laughs> and you say, well, tell me about the people you want to work with. Tell me about the job. Tell me about the company. What are the characteristics of the best company that you could work for? If you could go to the whiteboard with a magic wand and create the perfect opportunity, what does it look like? And I like to get a sense of what's important to the, to the prospective employee before I tell them about what it is that we have to offer so I can make sure that those are aligned. And I consider this a very significant yellow light. Neither you as the employer or the employee can afford to make a mistake. So why not figure out what's important to them. And if you can't match it, then no harm, no foul. Go get somebody that you can get excited about. Right. When someone is talking to me about their motivation, is there any concern if they seem over the top with being in love with, say, your company or a specific product maybe or service? I mean, does that ever get, is there a balance there where you don't want it to be so, I don't know, like I said, over the top where it almost seems like they're pushing too hard or they're, they're not on the up and up? Yeah, definitely. And I think the key there is to, to ask the whys. It's not so much in what they're saying okay. or how they're saying it, but it's really un, uh, unpacking it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so, and if somebody seems like they're floundering or they're stumbling or they're saying, well, I want to work for your company because I love your company. You are the nicest guy in the world. And yes, <laughs> it seems a little too sugar-coated. I like to dig under the covers and say, well, what keeps you busy outside of work? Right. I like to try and get a sense of their passion. And, you know, can they get excited about anything and would they be able to get excited about this? And I might even throw a couple of wrenches into the job itself and say, look, this job requires a lot of analysis. How analytical would you say you are? You know, on a, on a scale of one to 10, are you more gut instinct or more analytical? Mm -hmm. where, uh, where are you on that continuum? And tell me why. And try and get a sense of, 
you know, is this really a, a good fit for them? And for the, for the candidates that have no idea, I actually sometimes frame it for them. And I'll say, look, what's important for me in this priority order is impact. I want to go somewhere where I can make a difference. Sure. Number two is growth and development. I want to go somewhere where I can grow and learn and develop. And a year from now, I want to be better than I am today. The third thing for me is balance. I have uh, kids and I want to be able to make it to their sporting events. I like my family vacation time. I don't mind working really hard, but I also want to be able to take vacation when, it, when, I, I, want, when I want to go away. And the fourth thing is financial reward. Mm. I want to be rewarded for the, for the impact that I do make. What, how do those criteria look for you? Which one is the most important and why? And so I'll, I'll almost give them the answer to get a sense of, are they thinking about the right things? All right. No, I like that. I think that's great practical advice for both sides of the table, whether you're looking to hire these candidates or even as a candidate yourself, just some things to, to chew on there. I appreciate that those specific details. Uh, our listeners always like those examples. Now, when we're talking about these personal characteristics, motivation, as we sort of touched on, it might be hard to truly gauge them until you get into that interview. So my question would be, in the world of, of all this technology and connections through social media, if you're a hiring manager, hiring personnel, or you're speaking to those people that are in those positions, do you see the benefit? Do you see a danger in checking out the online presence, things like LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, to see if maybe they are being consistent in what their passion might be or what they might have in terms of integrity? What's your overall thought process on checking out that online presence? Oh, absolutely, Tim. As we spoke about earlier, you know, past performance is the best indicator of how you're going to be in the future. And whenever we get a candidate, the first thing we do is we're going to check on social and we're going to see, you know, what's the situation look like. Let me give you an example. We were thinking about an HR leader here at Odesk and we had a couple candidates. One came highly referred. And when I went to LinkedIn to look at the profile, I noticed that there were a bunch of, I think they're called endorsements. Mm -hmm. So recent endorsements and the endorsements were from the last month, but they were from a job that this candidate had years ago. So the job ended in 2009, but the endorsement was from a few weeks ago. So what does that tell you? Well, that tells me that somebody is now out looking for a job and they went to a friend and said, (laughs) hey, could you could you give me an endorsement from that job three years ago? Because I want to beef up my profile to make it look good. Sure. With that in mind, and granted, you could say, okay, Gary, you're taking this too far. But with that in mind, as you looked at the endorsement, I noticed that the endorsement was weak. Hmm. Right. It said, oh, Gary is okay. (laughs) (laughs) Gary is okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, if it was, if it was really heartfelt and it wasn't, there were three of them that were very much like that. And so what it made me realize is this was a person that was bolstering their profile. It wasn't a heartfelt or a earned endorsement when the job was over. And I also thought, what context does that person have four years later? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, um, and, and it forced me to look and I, and that, and, and it wasn't just one, it was multiple of those that had happened in the last month for jobs that were, um, years old. So I do think that social and your profile, you know, in today's transparent world, you know, you have an opportunity to build your online reputation and that online reputation has to be consistent, has to be consistent with what you're saying. Right. You know, you brought up the idea that some people might think, oh, Gary, you're taking this too far and sort of analyzing that. But I think in fairness to those people that are trying to hire the best candidate, you guys get tons of applications and candidates trying to, again, stand out. So if there's anything, and we tell our job seekers all the time, if there's anything that could eliminate you, 
uh, it's going to play a factor. So I think you bringing that up is very important that you need to have all of your ducks in a row long before you're even looking for a job. You need to be updating it because it sounds like to, to you that's just as important factor as anything else. It, it really is. And I think, you know, the, the best candidates are the ones that um, communicate really effectively and mm-hmm. openly. They come in and they say, look, I'm not sure that this is the best fit for me. You know, I'm looking to do this because neither one of us can afford to make a mistake. People don't want to go to a job that they're going to bounce out of nine months later because they don't like it or they're not good at it. So what I tell candidates is have a pretty good sense of what it is that you're good at, first of all. And second of all, what is it that you really like doing? Mm. You may not be good at it yet, but you're so passionate about it that you'll get good, you know? And then really try and do that thing, right? So uh, A, are you good at it? And B, do, do you like doing it? And sometimes you may have to take a job just to get on the right bus where you're doing something that you're not crazy about. Sure. But you see opportunities to do the things that you're wild about if you knock uh, that responsibility out of the park. I'm fine with that. Uh, what I'll also tell candidates and students all the time is, you know, get on the right bus, <laughs> Right. If you if you can if you see a company that's growing very, very fast, it looks like a great culture, great leadership, the people have the right personal characteristics, you love the product, it's a big market, you know, it's got everything you want. You should try really hard to get that job because getting on the bus may be more important than having the perfect seat sometimes. Mm, nice. I like that. Especially earlier in your career. Right. So, you know, we talk about personal characteristics being important, motivation also being at the top tier for yourself. Of course, then we do get to the idea of skill and knowledge, and those still have to be a factor, especially if you're talking about all these candidates that you might have. Do you look at one of those as being more important, or why would that? Why would one still be more important than the other in terms of skill and knowledge? Yeah, I think skill is next. Okay. And, you know, skill can be taught. Um, but you may have exceptional innate skills as well. And so I think skills uh, are next. And knowledge really comes from domain experience. Mm-hmm. Well, I was in a business where we done, did something similar. When I first came into Odesk, we had a bunch of people out of the staffing world. And while that's valuable in the short term, because they know a lot about uh, staffing, the rest of the team, uh, even new hires who were very, very smart, picked up that staffing knowledge in a matter of weeks. Okay. So the knowledge is sort of the first thing to go. And again, smart people who are eager to learn uh, tend to pick up the knowledge very quickly. Okay. So I think that's sort of the least important of the four. And, uh, and, and I would put skills third. So if there's a situation where maybe an individual does have a bunch of knowledge in an area and somehow they've been able to show you that or been able to have a portfolio of some kind. Again, it may depend on what area they're going into, but they just never had the opportunity to really test that out in the in the workforce. They never had training in that skill, perhaps. Is there a way a candidate can convince someone that, hey, you got to take a chance? I mean, because I have all this knowledge, I just need somebody to help me bring it together into the skill. I mean, have you come across that? Is there any advice in terms of that? Um, y- yes. So the answer is, can somebody uh, can convince you? And the answer is absolutely. Okay. And then the second question is, should they? Well, yes, absolutely. Again, if they're passionate about that thing and about that company, then I think the best candidates are the ones who are tenacious in a not obnoxious way to, to, <laughs> to getting the job. And one great way to do it is what I call try before you buy, hmm. right? So is there a way that you could say, look, I am so excited about uh, what it is that you're doing. Can we do a try before you buy? Let me come in and prove to you right. that I can pick up this skill in a low risk way for both of us. Mm-hmm. 
right? Why don't you give me a shot without hiring me? Could I come on uh, 20 hours a week for the next month on a try before you buy? And let me work on a specific project that you're trying to get over a deadline. And we've done that on many occasions. We, we hired a kid out of uh, Stanford University who said, look, I'm just so passionate about your business. I really think I can make an impact in this regard. We bought him in for one thing and ended up hiring him for another. Hmm. So once he was here, we realized, wow, this guy's really good. And we're not going to invest in that area that we thought we were going to, but this guy's good enough to do this other job for us. Sure. I love that piece of advice. Yeah. And especially, you know, again, from the hiring side of things, to your point, there's really no risk. It's it's let's see what this person really can do. And, and then we can make the decision. I, I love that. I think that's great advice for our listeners out there. Yeah. And Tim, I wouldn't say no risk. It's it's not no risk, okay. but it lowers the risk. Sure. Right. Sure. But, and, and make it easy for the employee and the employer to sort of let's date before we get married. <laughs> there you go. Gary, I really do appreciate all the insight you've given us and uh, some of the you know, hard examples that our listeners can grab onto, as well as your analogies. I think those uh, those fit well and they, they stick with people in their mind. As we look to wrap up this conversation, what final message would you want to send out there in terms of this topic and the importance of fit? Anywhere you want to go with this, but uh, as a, a lasting takeaway for our listeners out there. And thanks for the opportunity to do this, Tim. I, I really appreciate, appreciate talking about it. Uh, let's split it in half and say, you know, what advice for the employer and then what advice for the employee? Sure. From the employer standpoint, we can't afford to make mistakes. When you think about the amount of time and energy that go into hiring, it takes 92 days on average to hire. Mm -hmm. And if you think about not only the, the calendar time, but how much of your team's time is spent interviewing and assessing and vetting and HR's time. And then when you, when you account for the ramping of employees and onboarding only to have a fraction of those employees work out, it's just, it's really hard. So, you know, what we like to say is uh, hire slow and fire fast, right? If, right. You, if you realize you've made a mistake, don't, don't let it linger and really take your time on hiring. And I think the biggest mistake that employers make is they get happy ears. They see a candidate that on paper looks great and they have a decent interview and they, they want to love the person. So no matter what anybody says about them, they, they discount it. Right. Right. It's almost like um, love is blind. Mm. You know, it's like you, you, you know, everything is rosy. And then when you hire the person and three weeks later, you're like, oh, how did I miss that? Right. <laughs> and so I really think that people need to do background uh, reference checks. And, and some of them should be off the balance sheet. They should be off the record. Mm -hmm. Right. In today's transparent world, you can find somebody that you know that knows me and maybe you want to back channel. And say, hey, we we uh, and you have to be careful with this, right? Sure. Because I, I'll let employees, uh, prospective employees, I'll say, hey, we're going to go do some uh, some digging, and I want to make sure that's okay with you, hmm. right? I don't want this to get back to you in your current job, or you know, I want to be above board about it. But I really think that um, digging into uh, potential areas where things might work not work out is, is really important. And for employees, I would say, you know, don't ignore yellow lights. You can't afford to make a mistake either. You don't want a resume or a LinkedIn profile that shows that you're at a new job every nine months because you've picked poorly. Sure. Employers are going to think either A, you are not a team player or a cultural nightmare, or <laughs> B, that you have really bad judgment. <laughs> you know, like you're a great person, but you picked the wrong company three times in a row. What's wrong with your judgment? So you can't afford to make a mistake. So don't ignore the yellow lights. Mm -hmm. You're shopping too. 
right? You're both, both you, the employer and the employee are looking for that perfect opportunity. And I think having an idea of what it is that's important to you and then interviewing the company to make sure those things are a fit uh, are, are perfectly reasonable for an, a prospective employee as well. Well, Gary, again, we do appreciate it. And unfortunately, we are going to have to wrap things up here on this episode of Employment Notebook. We do hope our listeners, especially the hiring personnel out there with some of the advice you've had, um, definitely take advantage of the great information you've talked about. Again, our expert guest today has been Gary Swart, CEO for Odesk. Gary, once again, thanks for bringing your insight onto the show today. Thanks, Tim. I really enjoyed the conversation. Of course, we also want to hear from you, the listeners. If you have any comments or suggestions, go ahead and shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any thoughts related to our podcast here on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. 